...faces of vapor, creating noctilucent clouds, luminous formations that drifted seaward. This glowing cloud mass, created by the Great Sahara Sandstorm, was visible to people in the unsuspecting villages and uncaring cities for thousands of miles along the western cusp of the 26th parallel. It was visible in Cairo and Casablanca and Las Palmas, It was visible to people living in the Azores, the Abacos, and on the peninsula of Florida, too. Fragile land breaks immersed in the sea, and thus more intimately connected with the wider world. At sunrise, the sun burned through a glowing curtain of peach and rust. At sunset, the sand-laced eastern sky caught the light and reflected desert gold. At night the clouds smoldered in the wind and throbbed with dull flame. The extraordinary thing, though, was that only a small percentage of people living along the 26th parallel noticed. In North Africa there were wars to consider, and there was also the damage caused by the sandstorm itself. In the Azores and Abacos, spectacular sunsets were nothing new, but satellite television reception was sunsets could not compete. The same was true in Florida, but on a richer scale. There was television, Nintendo, tourist traffic, air-conditioned malls, lottery tickets, Epcot, condo association meetings, greyhound races, cool, dark bars, and waterbeds. October in Florida is hot. People don't get out to look at the sky much. A few did. On a Thursday morning that October, in the Gulf Coast village of Mango, Tucker Gattrell stepped off the porch of his ranch shack and considered the sky. It was dawn, and the eastern horizon was the smoky, iridescent color of a hot campfire. "'Holy lordy!' he said, touching his old horse, Roscoe, on the muzzle. "'I ain't never seen nothing like that.' Then he stood and looked for a while before saying, Either the Everglades is on fire, or they've gone and blowed up Miami. Probably kill millions. When Roscoe shook his head and popped the ground with his hoof, Tucker said, Me too. I'm pulling it's Miami. On that same morning, on the loop road in the belly of the Everglades, Irvin T. Rouse noticed the sky for the first time, and he went inside to get his fiddle. More than forty years before, Rouse had written a song titled The Orange Blossom Special, and he sold all rights to a New York publisher for three hundred dollars. The song became world famous. Rouse did not. But he still liked to play and write, and man, oh man, that sky deserved a song. Thirty miles north, looking through a second-floor window of the Everglades Township Rest Home, Joseph Egret blinked his eyes when he saw the boiling crimson sky, and sat down quickly on his bed. "'Them fat nurses,' he thought to himself. "'Them fat nurses is giving me weird drugs. I gotta get out of this goddamn rest home.'" Up and down Florida's west coast, people living on boats noticed the sky, because people on boats don't have much else to do. A man named Tomlinson, who lived on a sailboat in Dinkins Bay, Sanibel Island, saw the sky, and the beauty of it was like a sweet, sad weight that brought tears to his eyes. 
He sat on the bow of his boat in full lotus position, face to the sunrise, and began his morning meditation. This earth, this earth, so magic and so tragic, magic and tragic. On another sailboat, anchored out in the same bay, Sally Carmel was holding a mug of coffee, staring. The strange clouds, the bizarre fluorescence, it was so lovely, but what could cause such a thing? Along with a lifelong interest in birds, Sally had a minor in interior design, a master's degree in photojournalism, and she knew a great photographic opportunity when she saw one, so she hurried below to get her camera gear. She would skip her morning swim. Living in a house on stilts in Dinkins Bay, a man named Ford, who ran a small marine specimen supply company, noticed the sky and puzzled.